Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? Everybody feeling good? I'll tell you what, at first service, we had some serious downpour. The rain was on the roof. I was thinking about the couch and a warm blanket. Don't you think of that today. You can sleep after we get done with the, uh, the sermon time together. Now, we uh, are excited that you are here today joining us online as well. What, what an exciting day to be together to celebrate Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. He has done so much for us. We have an incredible gift in Jesus Christ. It'll be the greatest gift that you and I will ever get to open. And what a joy we have to have hope in that risen Savior that no matter what is going on around us, we can absolutely believe that God is with us. We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 1 this morning, so grab your Bibles and open with me there if you would, and eventually we'll make our way to Acts chapter 27 to look at a, a story that we've really not parked our car on before. We haven't talked much about uh, Acts 27, but we'll do that. All of our text will be on the screen as well as we're right in the middle of this series called A Thrill of Hope. And we're in this Christmas season where the world kind of sets aside some time to remember and recall that God did come to earth. He put flesh on. The message version of the Bible says he moved into our neighborhood and we got to know God personally. Well, what an exciting story that you and I have to tell the world around us who are um, grappling with darkness around them. They have this hopelessness about them, but we can in our own lives point them toward the ultimate hope, and that is Jesus Christ. This year has been a, a difficult year to say the least, and I'm, my guessing is none of us would have chosen the things that have occurred this year. It's been a tough, tough year. But as we lean into this series uh, this month, no matter what is going on around us, uh, the chaos that exists, the culture that presses in from every side, the, the loss of jobs, uh, and the list goes on, that we can have hope in a risen Savior. The prophet in Matthew chapter 1 reminds us that God is always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll hold us up with His strong right arm that no matter what's going on in your life, that you can count on God being right there with you. As a matter of fact, he says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which literally means God is with us. And so as we look at that prophecy and recognize that it came to fruition, we can definitely see God all around us. And there are those moments, those mountaintop experiences where it's quite clear that God is present in our life. Those moments where we can actually know that God provided something, that it was a, a home run moment. It was an exciting time in our life, and we can see God there on the mountaintop with us. It's more difficult to see Him when we're in a valley. It's more difficult to experience His presence when we find ourselves in the valley. But last week, we took a look at that very idea, and we were reminded, church, that the valley is not our destination, that God has got something better in store for me and you. And so we won't dwell in the valley. We are pilgrims passing through that valley of Bacah, that valley of loss, of weeping, of tears. And that whatever is going on in your life right now, that valley is something you're just passing through. God has something much more special for you. It's uh, appropriate and maybe God-ordained that we do are having a storm today because we're going to talk about today when life is a storm, what happens to the hope I have in Christ when storms 
come my way, and they are going to happen. If you haven't experienced one yet, you are very unique, and I'd like to talk to you after service to see what your formula is for that. But I've had friends in my life that said, listen, this is the way life actually works. You're either in a storm, you just got out of a storm, or there's a storm just around the corner waiting on you. In other words, there are always going to be storms in our lives, things that we would not have chosen that we have to walk through and endure and realize even in the moment that God is with you. In difficult moments, when it's difficult to feel the presence of God, we have to know in our heart of hearts that God has not forsaken you. 2020 has been quite a unique year, and along with that, we've also had physical storms that have hit our United States, Uh, and this year we've had 12 named storms, whether tropical storm or hurricanes that have hit the mainland United States. We've had 12 of those, which shattered the old record, which was in from 1916, where we had nine storms that were classified as hurricanes or storms that have hit the states. And as I did some research on these different storms that hit, of the 12, six of them were classified as hurricanes. And along with those six storms came $37 billion worth of damage on our coastline. Different people lost life or property along the way. Difficult storms that have entered our life this year. And as I did the research on hurricanes, I understood that early on, in the uh, meteorologist field that storms used to be named after geological locations. But in 1954, hurricanes and storms began to be named after girlfriends and wives. Now, don't ask me about the correlation there. I don't want to go into the details. But the meteorologists used to, 1954, begin naming them after women. So for 25 years, we had storms named after females. But in 1979, equal rights emerged, I guess, and storms equally were named after guys and gals, both. But my guess is, in your own life, you've got some storms going on. Some of those I know about because I talk to you. Some of them are secret storms that you're enduring right now. Maybe in your life, the storm that, is, that you're trying to work through is a storm of divorce, and you're, you're working through that piece by piece. It's disheartening. It's depressing. Maybe for you, the storm is chronic illness. Maybe you've got a cloud of depression over your head, and it just never seems to go away. Then the loneliness that accompanies many times that particular prolonged illness. Maybe for you, it's, it's cancer. And you're working through the process on how to be healthy again. Maybe the storm in your life is a financial distressful moment where you're trying to climb out of the mountain of debt that you've accumulated in your lifetime. Maybe it's a, a busted relationship where something happened that uh, there was a falling out. You want that relationship back, but you're not quite sure how to get there. And in the meantime, you're enduring the storm of that moment. There are always going to be storms in our lives. So what do I do when I find myself in the middle of a storm? Well, if you're a believer, then you know this next statement to be absolutely true. You never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God, church. God will never leave you high and dry. He will never walk away from you. 
He's always going to be with you. So we never let the presence of a storm in our life detract us from the fact that God is currently with us. Now, the story we're going to take a look at this morning is found in Acts 27. So if you've got your Bibles, I hope you'll turn with me there uh, as we dig into this little-known or talked-about story, at least in my tenure. There is this massive storm on a ship that Paul finds himself on, the Apostle Paul. Paul has been arrested many years ago for claiming that Christ is king, and so he's been arrested, he's been under house arrest, and it's been some time. But eventually, he's a Roman citizen, so he asked, he wanted his, his uh, plea, his story to be heard in front of Caesar. And so he's on a ship headed for Rome, where he is going to make known the message of Jesus Christ. He'll eventually lose his life in Rome because of that. But he's on the ship with several hundred other people, both a crew and other passengers, and they're harbored in Crete. Uh, It's an island, a large island in the Mediterranean Sea, and they're about to head out from Crete uh, to, to make their way to Rome when suddenly a massive storm strikes. And so Paul finds himself, along with these other hundreds of folks on the ship, in the middle of this incredibly raging storm. And so our story picks up in verse 20 of Acts 27. It says, The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until, at last, all hope was gone. All hope was gone. The storm continued to rage. And I wonder how many of you, either joining us online or here in our audience this morning, would use that imagery for what is going on in your life right now. The storm seems to be raging against me. I'm not sure if I've got anything left. Indeed, it feels like maybe all hope is gone because indeed I've sat with you over cup of coffee or maybe lunch, and I've heard the storm that you currently are in. And some of you have expressed, there's just no hope that my marriage is going to survive this moment. There's just no hope that my adult child is going to eventually come home. There seems to be no hope for me to climb out of this financial mountain that I've built myself into. There seems to be no hope that I'll ever be healthy again and conquer the cancer. There seems to be no hope that I'll ever move away from the depression that I feel in my life and the dark cloud that seems to loom over my life. There seems to be no hope that we'll ever conceive a child. And there have been moments in my life, no doubt yours too, where you've expressed where you are in your story, in your storm, and all you want from those around you is a little sympathy, a little empathy, walk a mile in my shoes. But it seems like there's always one person who has something different to offer, which is where Paul is in his story. Take a look at verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time, and finally Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm in the middle of a desperate situation, I don't need a family member or a friend coming to me and saying, If you'd have just listened to me. I mean, I've done that as a parent many times, and I'm sure my sons will tell that story on me one day. I mean, honestly... You just want to punch somebody like that in the mouth, don't you? (laughs) You don't want to hear that. You want some empathy, some sympathy in your story. 
You want them to walk with you and journey with you. But although Paul was an incredible messenger of the gospel, he was an apostle of Christ, he was a regular person like me and you, a human being who sometimes didn't always say the right thing. But they're in this storm, many of them because they chose to go out when it was risky. And it's interesting as I interact in Christian circles how we tend to blame all the problems in our life on the devil. And while there is a segment of that absolutely true, sometimes we have difficulty and storms in our life because it's just you who made the decision to be there. Sometimes you're in the storm because you just spent too much money. And now you're trying to impress people that you'll never meet and you find yourself under a mountain of debt. Sometimes it's you who couldn't hold back the emotions and then something was said in a relationship that you can't take back and the relationship just isn't quite the same anymore. Sometimes it's you who procrastinated and put off what you should have already been doing and now you're up against a hard place. Some of you, even though everyone told you not to date him or marry him, you did anyway. You find yourself in a difficult moment. And maybe that's why in our story that they had given up all hope because they knew it was their own fault. But make no mistake, on the ship that Paul is on, there are also people on the ship who it's not their fault. It wasn't their fault that they left harbor. My guess is that Paul is a man of God. It's known he's a man of God. He's a prophet of God. And when he kind of exercised that voice, my guess is some of the crew probably heard Paul and went to the captain and said, you know, maybe we should listen and just kind of stay put for a little bit. But the captain says, no, we're going to go. Through no fault of their own, they're in the storm. How many of you have been in a storm that was no fault of your own? Now, do not elbow the person you came here with. That would not be appropriate. But sometimes in your own life, your parents get a divorce, and you're caught in the middle of a storm, not of your own doing. Sometimes the company you work for makes poor financial choices. And they end up having to downsize and lay you off or close their doors. And while you're a very hard worker, through no fault of your own, you find yourself in the storm looking for another job. Maybe in your own life, you trusted someone who didn't show up for their end of the bargain and you're left holding the bag through no fault of your own. You're in the middle of the storm. And there are times, whether our fault or not, it is difficult to endure the storm. It's easy to give up hope. But Paul is going to tell the crew something and tell us something today about who God is that I think we can harbor in our heart as we endure the storms in our own life. Our story continues in verse 22. He goes on to say, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Paul reminds there is an unseen world that you and I have tapped into because we believe in a risen Savior. 
that we have the power, the supernatural power of God on our side and how incredible it is to live a life of hope because we know God is awesome and he will rescue us in the moment. I mean, church, right now, the Holy Spirit is in this room. Church, the Holy Spirit is watching over your family at home. I mean, imagine the presence of an almighty God in your storm. You and I have no idea of the different ways that we are affected by the power of God. He is in you supernaturally. The Bible tells us that we have the indwelling of God's spirit within us. God goes before you to prepare a place for you, a table in front of your enemies. God is already in your tomorrow. He's already in Monday preparing for you to walk it tomorrow. God hears your prayers and he walks with you and he comforts you in the things that you want him to be involved in. Paul, as he writes, young Timothy, his counterpart in the faith, he wants Timothy to recognize and realize how important it is for us to know no matter what's going on around us, no matter who stays with us or not, God will never, ever leave us. And so he describes what happens at his first trial to Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear, and he rescued me from certain death. Paul reminds us there is a God, and he stands with you. Do not fear. Don't lose hope. There's an incredible story in Jesus' own ministry. It's found in Mark chapter 4. This story, if you've gone to church any, any amount of time, you're going to know the story well. But Jesus in chapter 4 of Mark, he is doing incredible ministry. He is preaching God's word. He's discipling his followers. He's working miracles in the land. He's feeding. He's healing. He's bringing people closer to God. And at the end of chapter 4, he's exhausted. So he and the disciples find themselves on the edge of the lake of Galilee and they get into this boat and they push out to sea. And Jesus is so tired he goes to sleep right away in the back of the boat. But come nighttime, a big squall, a big storm comes across the Sea of Galilee. The stars are covered up, lightning is striking, thunder booms. The wind is howling and the waves are hitting the boat, lapping over into the boat. Indeed, the boat is taking on water till finally one of the disciples goes and wakes up Jesus. They're afraid. They're scared to death. They have no hope in the storm. They wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care that we're going to drown? And his first answer is, do you still not have faith in me? And he says, peace, be still, and quiets the storm. In an instant, the clouds disappear, the stars appear, thunder and lightning go away, the sea becomes like glass, there is no wind. And the disciples look at each other, lean in and whisper, who is this that calms even the waves and the wind? Church, he is 
Emmanuel, the Son of God. And he will calm your storm as well. You see, the disciples experienced peace because Jesus was in their boat. But church, peace is not found in the absence of a storm, but in the presence of Jesus Christ. You and I are going to have storms in our life. But guess what? Jesus is in your boat. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, in this world, you will have trouble. But don't fear because I've overcome the world. The world is going to do everything within its power to draw your attention away from a risen Savior. But Jesus says, don't fear because I've overcome all of that. Follow me, trust in me, have faith in me. Our story continues in verse 23 again, where Paul says, take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. God tells Paul in the moment, I'm not done with you in your story. Don't fear what the world can do to you because I'm not done with you in your story. You've got more fight. And God says the same thing to you in your story. I'm not done with you. Don't worry about what the world is doing around you. I've got more people for you to love on. I've got more people for you to bless. I've got more people for you to serve. You see, God will use what you learn in your storm so that you can bless other people in their storms when they occur down the pike. There is purpose in your storm. And so as believers, during our storm, we ask the question, God, what is it that you're wanting me to learn right now? Is it patience? Is it long-suffering? Is it how to love the unlovable? What is it you want me to learn in this moment? And as you ask, he is strengthening your soul and deepening your roots to be able to withstand the storm even more so that you can say, I survived the unfaithfulness in my marriage. I conquered cancer along the way. I parented through all of the pushback. I lived through the financial darkness. I overcame addiction. His grace has set me free. And his grace does set us free. And suddenly during your storm, you become an evangelist for a risen Savior. One that you can share with the world around you. This is how I have peace in my life, how I have joy in my life, even when the storm rages. And verse 25, if you've got your own Bibles, is one of those verses I want you to highlight, underline, circle, because it's that important to our own journey, our own walk. Paul goes on to say, and he says it again in verse 25, so take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. Church, do you believe God? Do you believe God? Amen. Amen. You see, my faith isn't in what I can see. My faith is in what God says. And he's called me an overcomer. He's called me a son of the most high God. He's called me a child of God. My faith isn't in the boat 
but in who commands the wind and the waves. My faith isn't in the ship, but who created the trees that made the ship. I'm not worried about what the storm can do to me. I can't control how big the storm is or the damage it will do. I can't control what other people might do to me or say about me, but I can control how I rejoice in a risen Savior in the middle of my storm. It's how I project that belief to those around me and be the light that God's called me to be in the world. The psalmist in Psalm 46 reminds us of the kind of God that we serve and what we can expect from him during our storm. Psalm 46 and verse 1 beginning. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. In other words, the psalmist says, whatever is coming your way, let it come because I serve a God who is almighty. And I fear nothing. Even when I lose my job, I will not fear. When the relationship falls apart, I will not fear. When the economy is shaky, I will not fear. When I feel isolated and alone, I will not fear. Even when a virus runs rampant in a nation, I will not fear. When my candidate doesn't win the race, I will not fear. Because I serve an awesome God who loves me and has the very best of life for me. Jesus said it himself, I came to give you life and life in the abundant. And this year and beyond, this season is a moment for us to embrace that gift of life in Jesus Christ. You see, peace doesn't come in the absence of a storm, but in the presence of Jesus Christ. And we join with the prophet in Matthew chapter 1, when he says, Behold, the virgin will give birth to a child, a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And this holiday season, I want to remind all of us that whatever storm you might be in, know that God has not forgotten you. He journeys with you. He holds you up with his strong right hand. He will not forsake you or leave you alone. He is a loving God who some 2,000 years ago sent the best gift that you and I could ever hope to receive in his son, Jesus Christ, who eventually lived 33 years and gave his life for you and for me. And because of that, we have the thrill of hope, the hope and an eternal life with an incredibly awesome God. As we sing this next song, may you feel God's spirit within you. May you feel his strong arms around you. May you know that he's not done with you yet, no matter what storm is going on in your life. Know that he is the light of the world, and in your darkness, he will show you the way out. As we sing this song, our shepherds are going to be preparing to, to receive you for prayer. You can go through this door into the youth room or this door into the conference room because maybe this morning you need to be reminded that you are a child of God. And they want to pray for you and over you. Whatever storm is going on in your life right now, we'd invite you to join them as we sing this next song. And remember that Emmanuel, God is with us, will never, ever be any different 
He'll always walk with you. So as the family of God this morning, let's stand and praise his name.